Side of Sports. This is episode four. My name is Craig Lineberry, and with me as always is Justin Miller. Here again. Justin, I got, I got us off this week's episode busting your chops a little bit. Okay. Our uh, unofficial producer, uh, my fiance and your your good friend Catherine, uh, brought to my attention that one of her biggest uh, or favorite memories from when we started dating was I asked her the no uh, no teams with no S question on okay. our first date, and she did way better than you did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is kind of disappointing on my part. I feel like I should have done a lot better. Yeah. I don't know. I We'll just call it a mental block. Yeah. You know. <laughs> not your best game. No, not my best game. Yeah. Not my A game. So, uh, and, and just for folks who didn't get a chance to, to look it up, but remember the question. Uh, so, with the NBA, there are four teams. Thunder, Heat, Magic, Jazz. Uh, with baseball, there are two teams. Red Sox, White Sox. And then with hockey, there are three teams. The Avalanche, Lightning, and Wild. Yeah, I missed a lot of those. Yeah. It's unfortunate. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> well, now I'll know it in the future, so I can I can make fun of somebody else whenever they don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, hopefully everybody had a chance to listen to our, our draft special, our first special episode. Yeah. Uh, and now we're sitting here after day one of the draft. Justin, what do you mean, think? I, I thought it I thought it went off pretty well. I, obviously, the one thing that was most annoying, and I don't think it would have mattered where he went in the draft... Uh, ESPN could not stop talking about Johnny Manziel. I mean, it was just outrageous. I think even if he had been drafted number four, for the next 28 picks, they would still be talking about the number four pick of Johnny Manziel. Yeah. They actually, uh, Deadspin posted a pie chart this morning of the percentage of times that each player's name was mentioned. And Johnny Manziel was mentioned 113 times. He literally got mentioned a, court, like a quarter of the show. Of all God. the play, I mean, the pie chart was just insane, off the charts for him, and they also included any Johnny football references, not just Manziel. But yeah, it was just outrageous. Um, it was kind of hilarious to see his see his facial expressions every time. Yeah. Uh, whenever Bortles got announced, you, they panned over to Manziel and he rolls his eyes. And you're like, you're a little shithead. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, it was pretty awful. And then, well, my scariest ten minutes of my recent memory <laughs> was when the Cowboys were up for at the number 16 pick and I'm just so concerned that Jerry's going to do it. He's going to draft Manziel and Manziel keeps looking over his phone during it. I'm like, Oh God, Oh God, don't let this be Jerry calling him. And then of course we picked an offensive tackle, which some of my friends asked me, they said, Oh, you know, what do you think about that pick? Do you think it was good, bad, whatever? It's like, they could have picked a punter. I don't care. At that point, I was just really hoping it wasn't going to be Manziel. So anything else was fine with me. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we're short up at offensive line, but we still have an awful defense. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, uh, I started a, a, a new part-time job last night, so unfortunately I, I couldn't hear it, but I, I got to watch it. And uh, your prediction was right. Lots of trades. Yeah. I mean, and especially in that top ten, one that surprised me was the Bills moving up. And we talked about this a little bit, and I heard it on ESPN some as well. But, yeah, I think the, I think the Bills gave up a little too much to try to get Sammy Watkins. I mean, they have, to me, they have a lot of a lot of needs on their team. So to give up a 2015 first rounder for him, that's that's pretty big. Yeah, they're know. they're not going to move up the draft board or move down or I'm not going to move like up to like the up until like the 20 you know 20s in the picks for the first round next year. No, they're not going to prove that much. No, yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's I mean, a great great idea by Cleveland to trade that back though. I mean, because they'll. 
Based on Cleveland's track record, they'll likely have two first-round picks next year. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for two top ten picks, I mean. Um, but yeah, that's yep. it's going to be interesting, and obviously everybody's talked about it a lot. But Manziel in the twenty-two spots kind of hilarious since the last two times the Browns have drafted a quarterback in the first round, it's been in the twenty-two spot, and it was Brady Quinn and Brandon Whedon. Yep. So, well. Add Manziel to that laundry list of quarterbacks that have started for the Browns in the last 10 years. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. But overall, yeah, I, I didn't find that there were too many big surprises, I didn't think. The only one I missed, and I, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm catching you off guard, was uh, I saw the Vikings trade in at 32 spot it to did. get Teddy Bridgewater. That was uh, that was interesting. I, I think and that, that, I, I mean, I didn't see what happened with the Seahawks. Uh, they, I don't, I'm not sure what they got in return for it. I think they got... They may have gotten Minnesota's second-round pick or something. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Um, I, to me, that just shows that it's almost guaranteed that the Texans are going to get a quarterback in their first pick today. Mm-hmm. Because, to me, that shows that the Vikings were pretty confident that's what was going to happen. Because they're, what, the ninth pick in the second round? Eighth pick, somewhere around there? Um, so that meant that they didn't think that Bridgewater was going to be around for another seven or eight picks. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure... That's going to be one of those that that's either going to work out really well or really badly. All the all the announcers were saying that they probably should have gone with Derek Carr. I don't know. I mean, it's I think it's a toss up, but it's that's going to be an interesting move to see how it pans out, mm-hmm. especially in Minnesota where they had also a lot of problems with quarterbacks. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. We'll well, see. Yeah. So yeah, what, what uh, round two and three t- is tonight? Or yeah, just round, round two? two and three. And okay. I will say now, I really, really miss the days when the the draft was two days and it was Saturday and Sunday. You could just get up. It started at like eleven in the morning. You just hang out and watch the first three rounds, and then four through seven on Sunday was perfect. I hate how they've stretched it out to oh round one on Thursday, two and three on Friday, and then four through seven on Saturday. Right. So irritating. I hate it. Uh, it ma- it makes sort of sense from a business perspective I oh think. yeah but i mean just that's... because it, now they're going up on the weekend they'll be going up against nba and nhl playoffs yeah well and that was to me that was the funniest thing last night the biggest loser in everything last night was the nba and nhl i guess too because they had nets heat on no one was watching that game <laughs> everyone's watching the draft i mean i was on twitter i was reading everything i think i saw one tweet about the basketball game the entire time yeah everything else is about the draft yeah no one was paying attention to it i mean it was just and that's, I mean, that's the heat in the nets. It's supposed to be one of the better series going on right now, and literally no one cared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you know, speaking of basketball, um, uh, and this is also courtesy of our, our unofficial producer <laughs> putting this topic out there, uh, Kevin Durant's MVP speech. Yeah. Big uh, news this week. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. Absolutely. I, I loved it. Uh, for those of you guys who missed it, um, we'll try to put a link up on on Twitter uh, to the YouTube clip of it. But uh, Katie spoke for about half an hour and barely barely talked about himself. He 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 um, he started out talking about um, his faith and his mother, and then he went through and he individually thanked every single person on the team and in the organization. Yeah, it's I mean it's. It's amazing, and it's also somehow not surprising all at the same time just because everything he's done since he's gotten in the league has been incredible. You never hear anything about him getting in trouble. He's always just understated, not really doing anything, just scoring points every night. And 
I, it, he's a he's a guy that's tough to hate. You know, I yeah. mean, anybody who says that they hate Kevin Durant, well, I don't know what's wrong with them because he's <laughs> awesome. I mean, I I wish that I could feel like I was more of a Thunder fan, but being a Mavericks fan, it's really tough. I mean, right. they, you know, plays just a couple hours down the road, and we've had a couple big series against them in the playoffs. Yeah, and. But I love all the players on that team. They're so fun to watch. The only one I don't really like is Russell Westbrook, but KD is just the man. And I think I think what's really interesting about him and then watching his effect on a team is the way I feel like it is with basketball teams is when you have that guy that's just far and away the best, like if you have KD or you have LeBron or Derrick Rose, whoever, that sets the tone for the rest of the team. So... If you're Kevin Durant, you're not doing anything crazy, you're not outspoken, you're not saying things you shouldn't, then pretty much everyone else on the team knows they shouldn't do that either. Right. Because they know you're the best, and if you're not doing it, they really shouldn't be doing it. Right. So, and that's where, you know, you get, I think, teams with LeBron on them tend to be more loudmouth, and that's exact, because that's the example he sets. But because KD sets the example of, nah, that's not how we're going to do it. Yeah. That's not really how it's done. Russell Westbrook occasionally will, you know, speak out a little bit, but all in all, I think, I think Russell Westbrook on another team with, like, say he was on a team with someone like LeBron, I think he would be one of those guys that's just putting up billboard material. Oh, uh, yeah, billboard material all the time. Bulletin board, sorry, that's what I was. <laughs> okay, yeah. bulletin board material for other teams, just you know, talking shit, everything. Yeah, but he knows he can't because of Kevin. Yeah. I I um, had the chance to go back and look at some of uh, LeBron's MVP speeches, but before I get to that, I just want to finish my, my thoughts on on Kevin Durant. I mean, it was just it was so true. It was just so believable, you know. Like I, that's the thing with him. Everything he says, he come it comes through as so humble, so down to earth, and just uh, what he does for that city, it, for the state, even in Oklahoma, oh, yeah. is is incredible and. Um, my the, mo- the the point of the speech that I thought was most impressive and also interesting was about Russell Westbrook. So when he watched the speech, he goes through the he goes through the rest of the team first, and there's kind of like a break in the speech, and you can tell like he hasn't talked about Scott Brooks or Westbrook yet, and he was like, "Oh, there's definitely a special spot for that," and that's and that's what happens. And Kevin Durant, I don't think is a dummy either. You know, Russell Westbrook's contract is coming up, I think, next year. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and uh, Durant made it, you know, he said a lot of things about, like, playing in the future, playing together, how he's always there for him now and in the future. And I thought it was kind of a smart appeal to put Westbrook in that, spot, in that posi- on that spot and in, the, in that position. Um, and that's and that's interesting, too, talking, comparing it with LeBron, is LeBron was just quoted last week as saying that Kevin Durant should look at leaving in free agency. And I do not see that happening. I, I look at Kevin Durant as a Dirk kind of a player that he is at in that city and he loves being in that city and he has no intentions of leaving. Even if he has to lose out on some money just to you know open up cap space for other players to come in, he doesn't care. He's not there for the money. He's there to win. And if he's going to win, he wants to win in that city. Yeah. Like he's he seems like the type of guy that if he – Say he left to go to Chicago or New York or something like that. Say he won a championship. I think he knows that for him it would not mean nearly as much as if he won it in Oklahoma. Yeah, and that's just the way he is. Yeah, and it's it's such a unique experience. After Kevin Durant, the next guy that Oklahoma City gets as their marquee player is it's never going to be the same. Right. I mean, it's such a unique, unique, unique 
experience that we're seeing with with him. Yeah, uh, the you know just that the way it came up from nothing. Even the history of the Thunder getting in there, you know, it was, it was basically a test site when um, the hurricane came through, right? And they had to move the they moved from the from New Orleans. Yeah, the, that's right. New the Orleans, Hornets, the were Hornets. That's right. And they test marketed, and and the NBA was like, hmm, there's something going on here. People yeah. actually. It's not just about football in Oklahoma. They'll yeah. they'll come out and watch some basketball. And then uh, I think it was Aubrey McClendon was really one of the main guys that bought into the Sonics and bought them and said, no, 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 I'm definitely not going to move them. And then a year later, he's like, yeah, I'm moving them. Yeah, Sorry. peace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. Um, and about the LeBron stuff. So just to compare them. So here you have a 30 minute speech, and it's just it's just Kevin and his team, you know, talking to talking to us. I went back and watched LeBron's speeches. Now. I, 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 also say his past speeches I did not I could not find his first speech okay the first one he won in Cleveland I, I found the second one that he won and then of course the heat ones the ones I saw all less than 10 minutes all of them start out and uh, with a sponsorship from Kia and then the backboard is all Kia Motors like, a, like an announcement like like now presenting LeBron James by Kia Motors for yeah. the MVP speech like it's so lame yeah and then um, just him up there now, the first MVP he won with the Heat, the Heat team was on the stage, but they were, like, literally, like, off in a corner. Like, it was actually a dark corner. There was yeah. no light on them. They are just over there, like, you know, whatever. Um, and he started out, two of the speeches, he had notes up, and he, he's like, oh, you guys know me. Like, I don't, I don't use these notes. And he, like, throws them away. And it's like, I don't know, just kind of like this brash way to start off yeah. your MVP acceptance speech. He does talk about team in it. Like, I'm not going to say he talks about himself. He does talk about team and, like, you know, he just does what he does to play. But, again, he, there's just this air about LeBron now. And I don't know if maybe I've won – I've been won so much over by KD and I compare them so much now. Right. But, um, you know, I don't think LeBron's a bad guy or a bad player. I'll never say – I'm definitely not a bad player. But just, just a comparison. And now, you know, if KD wins it again, maybe, he'll, you know – Maybe it will be different. And like I said, I didn't see LeBron's first one. Right. So LeBron's first one might have been similar. But uh, just from what I saw, it's like, you know, just refreshing to see that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. KD is not cut from the same cloth that a lot of the other NBA players are, especially the elite guys. I mean, if you compare him to other people at his level, being LeBron or, say, maybe even Dwight Howard, Carmelo, Kobe – you see all the attitudes that these guys bring with them, and he has none of that. I think the closest comparison to him would be Derrick Rose as far as personality goes. Yeah. Because um, Derrick Rose seems like a pretty humble guy, but it's also pretty easy to be humble when you've been on the sideline pretty much the last two years. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But all in all, yeah, I mean, there's NBA's got a lot going on right now. Although, so obviously there was five game sevens this past weekend, yeah. which was absolutely insane. Three on Saturday, two on Sunday. Um, but the the ironic thing about it is right now, though, watching the second round so far, the second round has been a huge letdown yeah. <laughs> because the matchups are just not nearly as good. The Heat are handling the Nets pretty easily. The Spurs are handling the Blazers. Uh, the Wizards-Pacers is pretty interesting. Yeah, that one is an interesting that's, series. That's about the... I'm trying to even remember. Well, Thunder Clippers. Thunder Clippers. I think Thunder honestly. Clippers is, is probably that the one, most exciting yeah, series. Yeah, that one's going to be, I think in the end, it's going to be the most exciting as well. Yeah. Um, and I mean, obviously, being here in D.C., we're hearing a lot about the Wizards. But yeah. I, I think there's got to be some concern after game two because Roy Hibbert, they may have awoken the sleeping giant. <laughs> Dude finally went off for 28 points and looked 
like Roy Hibbert is supposed to look. And the scary thing about that is that actually the rest of the Pacers did not have a great game, but Roy Hibbert just took the team on his back. And one one like one thing that nobody's really talking about is that whenever the Pacers come to play here, that's a homecoming for Roy Hibbert. I was just going to bring that up and you beat me to it. Yeah, yeah. DC guy. Yeah. I mean, and so actually at game two, they had John Thompson there pretty much like on the sideline. And John Thompson had hung out with uh, with Roy before the game, talked to him some. And I don't know. In, in his post-game interview, it seemed like Roy was like back on track. He really figured it out. So I think the Wizards definitely have their work cut out for them. But they did hang tough in that game, so it wasn't it for sure wasn't a blowout. And to even get one away against the number one seed, that's a that's yeah. a good start. I mean, they could easily. I think they could take both here in DC and then come back and play Winning game six. Yeah, maybe. game six before that Lady Gaga concert. Oh God, yeah. Did, had, we, did we talk about that? I don't think we did. But so I, yeah, so talk about it. This yeah, is so really funny. They uh, the scheduling people with the Washington Wizards really messed up because. Lady Gaga concert was scheduled, and then the the NBA playoff schedule came out, <laughs> like, and there was a conflict, so they had to move the concert by three days, I think. And it was so originally the concert was already a makeup concert for something. I guess she had to cancel, and then so now they had to reschedule the makeup concert for three days later. But yeah, they just obviously didn't anticipate that. Although, in in the defense of the scheduling people. Because of the way that the NBA does their scheduling for the playoffs, you don't know anything until, like, when that series schedule is released. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you can look nine months prior and say, oh, well, game six of the playoffs would be here at this time. Because they just decided at the last second. Yeah. So, so I think it's pretty hysterical. Yeah, that you I don't mean, maybe. I'm sure you don't know the day, but maybe leave like the weeks open. I don't know. I'm yeah. not. I'm not a scheduler. I'm sure, and I'm sure with the bring in revenue, you got to keep something on the oh, books. Yeah. But I just think it's so funny. Like some some guys like, yeah, don't worry about it, man. <laughs> yeah, they're not gonna make it. We'll just <laughs> yeah. Bring just, in, just, just bring put in it the guy. Just put it down. Bring in the guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she'll, make, she'll make way more money than the Wizards would, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's kind of ridiculous. Um, but then, even beyond some of what's going on in the playoffs now, one of the more interesting stories was uh, something for a hashtag Snydering mm-hmm. segment here because Mark Jackson getting fired by the Warriors was possibly the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Ever. I mean, he has done such amazing work with that team. And, yes, they've brought in talent, but he's really shown that he can coach a team incredibly well. I mean, they took the Clippers to Game 7 in the first round. The Clippers are a great team. And not to mention, like, the Warriors were looking great. Then this whole Donald Sterling thing happened, and that seemed to be some kind of unifying situation for the Clippers. So that's just off-the-court stuff that's now coming on the court. And the Warriors didn't have Andrew Bogut. They had that was their leading rebounder and leading shot blocker not available for the playoffs. So you cannot judge him based on that. And from what has been said is that is basically he just did not. He had a very fundamental disagreement with the assistant GM. So then the GM decided to fire him. Yeah. And to me, this is where this is where the real problem lies. What are you expecting to get from your next coach? 
if I'm a big name coach, not a chance in hell I'm yeah. going to the Warriors because if you're if you're willing to fire a guy that's doing that well just because he has a fundamental disagreement with your assistant GM, not even your actual right. GM, right? And you'll fire him? No, I'm not going there. Yeah. I mean, they talked about Steve Kerr maybe going. Steve Kerr, if he's smart, is going to the Knicks because as long as Phil Jackson's there, his job is safe. Yeah. Because Phil Jackson can do whatever he wants and really doesn't care if people are critical. Yeah. And he loves Steve Kerr, obviously. So why would you not go to a team that's A, that big market, and B, that you have somebody in the front office making all the decisions that is not going to fire you for something small? Yeah. Well, uh, from what I I heard is um, the – the Warriors just didn't, just didn't know how to manage themselves. They kind of got too big for their britches too fast. Yeah. They didn't expect to make it to the playoffs this early. And then because they made it last year, was it last year? Yeah, they made it last year and they lost in the second round. Okay, when did they get Andre Iguodala? Was it was it this it, year? It was last year. It was last year, okay. From from what I heard is they, they basically sold the farm to get Iguodala. Yeah. Because they uh, there was like this mentality of wanting to rush and they wanted sort of a quote-unquote big guy. I don't know if Iguodala really fits that bill, but yeah, they, they, they kind of gotten Curry through the draft. Some of the other well, guys. Well, they, they had initially traded for Bogut from the Bucks, and that was another guy that they traded at least three players to get him. Mm-hmm. And when they got him, they got him mid-season, and he was he was already out for the rest of the year because I think he'd broken his ankle or something. So they trade mid-season for this guy that they know is not even going to play until the next season. Mm-hmm. It was it was a very odd trade to begin with, but yeah. yeah, they definitely. I mean, they were trading to try to put all the pieces in place initially, and yeah, it's tough when you see these teams that you know they make the playoffs once and then they're like, oh no, you didn't get us out of the first round this year, you're fired. Yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two years ago, you guys were drafting number four. You know, like yeah. what? That doesn't even make sense. Yeah, and it's like, and I also don't like this. To, you know, the same discussion is there's, there's some rumors going around that if uh, the Thunder don't make it out of this round, that Scotty Brooks is gone. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I, I don't get that either because I think he's done great things with his team and he has a good team to coach. But look at, like, Popovich down in uh, in San Antonio. Yeah. Like, if if they held all these, you know, if the, if the Spurs were taking the same path as the Warriors or the rumors with the Thunder – Popovich would have been gone years ago because oh, yeah. he constantly brings them in the playoffs. It's yeah. not what you want. I mean, it's a new revenue stream. You know, it's going to sell out. Our new revenue stream for the year. I don't know. It's, I think. I think I one of the. It. I think one of the toughest things for that situation is when you're looking at teams is determining how much talent you have and whether the coach is utilizing it correctly. Uh-huh. And that's I think one of the issues. Like with the Spurs, I feel like they've done a very good job of taking players that no doubt are talented. But they're not elite-level players, with the exception of probably Tim Duncan. Because as much as I think Tony Parker is good, I think Manu Ginobili is good, I don't think that they're you know top three guards in the league. Yeah. And so... But he gets the most out of his, his supporting staff, like Splitter. Yeah, oh, and, no, uh, but that's What's the, his name? De, de, Denard, that really quiet kid. Kawhi Leonard? Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so, but that's the thing, though. Is, so they look at a team like that, and they say wow, this team's going to the playoffs every year and they don't really have that elite guy. And then, so then the Thunder look and they're like, wait, we have Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and we almost got knocked out of the first round. Right. And so, and their scoring has been a little bit low, I feel like, for a team with 
with Kevin Durant, who legitimately seems like he cannot miss a shot sometimes. Um, and so I think they're wondering if they bring in another coach, if they could actually get more production out of the players they have. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, the concern there. Yeah. Because um, that's the same thing. Like, how do you judge whether Eric Spolster is a good coach? You know, like... <laughs> okay, <start with> him. <laughs> he's coaching LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. Yeah. You know, so it's like, well... Uh, yeah, I mean, they're scoring like 100. Should they be scoring 110? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. It's it's really tough on those situations. And But I think what does make it interesting is that, especially with this Mark Jackson firing, there's some good coaches available right now, and I think the Thunder may be looking at that as well, saying, well, if we do get rid of Scott Brooks, I think our options are pretty solid. So Yeah. I don't know. I just – yeah, I think – I just think Oklahoma City is so unique with the way they manage, but we'll, you know, we'll, that's yet to be seen. But you know, when it comes to all the talk about basketball and how much we're watching of it, I uh, just I can't get over like I, having the five game sevens last week was exciting because you know the series is going to end. But man, those series just drag on for me, they, and, I, and I know you don't you don't agree with that, but I, I just I, I listen for game sevens. Baseball is the only place that makes sense. Baseball plays series all year long, right. and the way baseball is set up with with pitchers and how you know the, the pitching staff rotates, it makes sense to do seven game series in in the playoffs. But they even do a five you know five game series for the first round, right? Yeah, so bas- but then you have basketball and hockey. I don't get it. You play you play one games all year. The schedule is crazy. You'll go you'll you'll play a game, have a night off, go play a game, play a game. And then you might have off for five days, and then you do it again like this, like kind of it's the way I think, it's scheduled. I but think, I, I just, I, but then you come to the playoffs. I think it's such a money grab to do these seven game series. I think it. I'm obviously there is somewhat of a money grab there. I mean, it's yeah. sports; it's all about money. Yeah. But ultimately, I, I actually I, I like the seven game series, and partly because it is unique. So it gives teams the chance to actually get to know, like play against each other for multiple games. I mean, the problem with... The, the one thing I didn't ever like about the five-game series is that you can have a three-game sweep, and then it's just... It, I don't know. It seems like it gets it's over too quickly. And you, you kind of want... It, it's nice to at least have the lower-seeded team to get guaranteed two home games. Mm-hmm. So, because... All it takes is, okay, they play on the road for the first two, they lose those two, then... They are fighting for their lives in that first home game back. So, I like I like seeing teams get the ability to you get to that four games, and if you get the the higher seeded team winning the first two and then the lower seeded winning the next two, then it's then to me it gets really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just the five game series it was really tough to get into them. I just, I didn't like them that much. I like the seven game, and I mean, as as we've seen, so like this year, it can be incredibly exciting. And this actually, Mark Cuban tweeted about this the other day, because obviously a lot of people think that it should be back at the five games. And as these are getting into game sixes and game sevens, he's like, "This is why we do this because you have some of these amazing matchups early on." I mean, honestly, some of the best matchups literally did occur in the first round that are going to be better. I don't like the Spurs Blazers matchup. I loved Spurs Dallas. That's yeah. like that's a classic rivalry. Clippers Warriors. Th- those are games you actually do want to see it go to yeah. a seven game series. Raptors Nets was a great series to watch. I mean, 
he started getting some of these unique ones, and I don't know. I, I think I think it makes sense. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna have everything else a seven game series, you might as well just tack on a couple more on the first round. You know. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> I, at least for the. I, I, I still don't agree with it. <laughs> you know, that's my own bias, and I'm, I'm not going to be winning anybody over. I know that. Uh, the only thing is I do like that they get the seven-game series right, where it goes 2-2, two, 1-1-1. Two, one, one, one. Right. That, that's the one thing I wish baseball would take. The 2-3-2 two, two is awful. Yeah. I mean, because there, it kind of goes back to the same concept of the five-game series, where, you know, all if you're the lower-seeded team, all you have to do is sneak one of those away games in that first two, mm-hmm. and then you can go home and win the thing at yeah. home. And that's not that's not fair to the higher seeded team that yeah, earned exactly. that spot. Yeah. I mean, I think game five should be for the home team, mm-hmm. and I know that the travel sucks to do that to go like back and forth, back and forth. But I think it's the best way to do it. Two three two just does not make sense. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. We'll you know. Whatever. It's not gonna. It's not gonna. It's no one's gonna listen to me. So who? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna flip the flip to a, a different, completely different topic. We we've done a lot of the the, the big four the past couple of weeks. You know. Yeah. You know, with sports, but uh, had a big fight this weekend. Yeah. The Mayweather Medina Maidana. I never can't pronounce yeah. his name correctly. Um, yeah. So that fight was interesting. I I honestly I didn't I didn't sit down and watch the whole thing. Kind of caught the highlights of it. Um, always strange to me when these go to cards because, uh, you know, I just don't really understand the scoring. But honestly, the biggest story to me about this fight happened before the fight, right. which was seeing the payouts, the guaranteed payouts for Mayweather and Maidana. And <laughs> it's absolutely asinine, the split between the two. So guaranteed Floyd Mayweather was going to get $32 million. And that was before the pay-per-view money. Allegedly, he says that he'd get up to 70. Forbes disagreed. They said it's probably closer to 50. But Madonna was guaranteed $1.5 million. <laughs> and all, and he got sole percentage of the Argentinian pay-per-view, which Argentina is not that big of a country. So I don't know exactly how much they were expecting to get from that. But still, I just, I mean, I understand why... Mayweather gets the big money in the fights because let's get serious. If it was Madonna and somebody else, is anybody going to watch? Probably not. But man, if I'm him just stepping in the ring right then looking at the other guy and being like, that guy is making almost 30 times more than I am guaranteed in this fight. That's crazy. I mean, I I don't know how you do actually the, the guy that uh, was his name, Broner, that was that won the fight before the undercard fight got 1.25 million. <laughs> so Madonna got a quarter of a million more, but was on the best fight of the night. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I you know I that's that to me is the only sport where you're going to see that big of a discrepancy in a head-to-head matchup that's already planned out. Yeah. You know, you think about golf or tennis or something like that. I mean, it's all based on what you do. The last seated guy in the tournament could go through and win the thing and get four million dollars, and Roger Federer could end up with like eight grand because he gets knocked out in the first round. You know, but anywhere else, it's you know it's a pretty level playing field, with the exception of obviously the team sports, which right. we talked about a little bit, where you could be playing third base for the Mariners, 
you're making league minimum, you're playing the Yankees, and you look over and you're like, oh, there's A-Rod. He's making $25 million a year to play the exact same position that I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I agree. It's just it's it's way too much money, and and for the way that uh, Mayweather flout, uh, touts his money, oh, God. just literally <laughs> throwing it around. <laughs> I mean, his nickname is Money Mayweather. Yeah. <laughs> like, he couldn't be any more overt about it, to say the least. And his Instagram is constantly just like him taking photos of ten million dollar bets he's placing on basketball games. It's just, I mean, the guy literally moves betting lines in Vegas. He makes a bet, and then it changes the line because it's so big. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But uh, maybe uh, he may be putting that money towards better use and is in talks about being one of the uh, new buyers for the Clippers if that offer comes up. Yeah. Him and, I think, De La Hoya? Is it De La Hoya? De La Hoya, I think, yeah. Yeah, I know it's well. two boxers. Um, which that also, as a side note, is interesting because the wife of Donald Sterling said that she intends to keep the team in the family – but not involve him. And the NBA has already been like, no, No. that's not going to (laughs) work. You're an idiot for even thinking it's going to work. Yeah. Whatever. We talked about that, you know, last week. Um, But my, my thing with boxing uh, is, is it's a man, it's man to man, hand to hand combat. Right. And these guys go at it all, you know, for 15 rounds. How long are rounds? Two, Two and a half, three minutes. I think three minutes, three minutes. And it, it is it's athletic. I mean, yeah. I I I tried to box for a minute, and then I was like, <laughs> you know, like, and that's against a punching bag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not that, not that, having to dodge yeah. someone trying to hit you back. Um, but then if, they, if it goes at fifteen rounds, all of a sudden it becomes this completely subjective scoring yeah. system, and I, I just think there's so much room for controversy in that. And you saw a little bit in this fight. But I think there's stats to back up the results of, of, of Mayweather winning. But uh, right when the, 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 the score was announced, you saw May, May, Medina, or again, I don't know how to say his name either. Yeah. Like his whole camp just like, oh, and you heard like, I yell like, bullshit. Like, <laughs> you know. But here, here's what I found. Looking at the stats, Mayweather threw 426 punches, landed 230. Medina, or again, whatever the hell his name is, through 858, 858, oh double Mayweather, but only landed 221. He landed nine less than, than Mayweather. Yeah. So sure, if you're going to go by punches landed, it's close. Right. But you look at effort, and, and I'm, I'm assuming there's there's I think there's probably some kind of quality standard with that. Yeah. And you only, was that, a, almost a fourth, <laughs> you know, of your of your hits are, are, are quality, whereas Mayweather was just above 50%. I think I think that the 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 card score should have been higher for Mayweather. Yeah, for the fact that he was much more efficient in yeah. the way that he fought. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I I just I, I don't I don't like it, and I uh, actually had a great chance to go to a um, middleweight fight when I went to Vegas. Okay. Uh, my good friend Evan uh, has uh, works for a a large, uh, um, I guess TV provider. And uh, I, don't, I don't want to say, I don't want to get him in trouble, <laughs> uh, but they obviously have connections because they're TV and this is on HBO and right. it's all part of that pr- promotional, you know, give and take between the companies. And so he got these awesome tickets. And I'm not into boxing at all. Well, I'll get to this. I'm not into middleweight boxing at all, 
But uh, boxing matches up there with soccer games with me, where they're just so much more fun live. Oh, absolutely! It was incredible. Now we <laughs> we saw uh, I think it's Chavez Jr. And again, bo- big boxing fans will probably know who he is. And then, and then another guy, and, and Chavez Jr. is like he's he's a pretty prominent guy, I guess. Yeah, I, I definitely heard the name. Yeah, and then there was another guy who was an up and coming guy. Um. But both from def- they're definitely not American. <laughs> yeah. So we go in this you go in this arena. It was at uh, uh, UNLV. Okay. And the and their like sports arena, and that was unique too because it's like you're on this college campus, but the arena is kind of built to like hold. Like <laughs> yeah. they, they knew what they were doing. Like they're they're gonna cater to those crowds every now and then from from the strip, uh, and uh, it was just incredible. So it went 15 rounds. Chavez was up the um, up until the 14th round. He just felt it. And then the 15th round, other homeboy came out swinging. Like, literally. <laughs> he like, realized he was behind. Yeah. And his only chance <laughs> is to try to knock this guy out. And I bet on Chavez. I was like, I'm going to split. I'll bet on Chavez. You know, I put, that, I put down like 25. I'd win like 32 back or something. Yeah. Uh, because he was a favor. But um, he got knocked down twice. I'm like... Dude, don't get a TKO. <laughs> like, I was saying, I, even if, I finally away. got into it. I was like, oh my god! Uh, but also incredible because talk about soccer games being not an American sport. Middleweight boxing is not an American sport, no. and it, I felt like I was not in America. And I'm not saying <laughs> it in a bad way. It was it was awesome because I think um, I think it was Mexico and I think it was Argentina actually might have been the other nation of the two oh, the okay. two guys. And they actually did the national, the U.S. national anthem third. They did the <laughs> other two first, and then did the, the and, then, and then did the U.S. national anthem just to appease the crowd, basically. Yeah. It was just, it's just like me clapping, like, <laughs> yeah. slow, like awkward, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> slow down clap. Um, but it was incredible live. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm getting at is, do you remember heavyweight boxing? Oh yeah, the the glory days of boxing back in like yes. I mean the '80s and '90s. Oh, obviously back even before that with Muhammad Ali. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, more recently with Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, Lennox Lewis, yeah, Klitschko. I mean, it's insane. And I, 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 I just want to know where that went. I mean, we we talked about this a little offline about where it went. Where Lennox Lewis kind of lost it mentally. Um, I know there was a couple reports about he was hitting guys behind uh, below the belt, and apparently, like that was a big thing with him. It kind of ruined his reputation, and guys weren't going to take fights with them. Even no matter what the purse was, because he's a, he'll take cheap shots and you can literally blow up your nuts. <laughs> yeah, like, I, don't, exactly. I don't blame him. <laughs> I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna take that. Yeah, and then you got Klitschko, who all of a sudden is a revolutionary. Yeah, and there's nobody, but but because I think it's kind of fallen off. There's not anybody really challenging him. No, I mean he's basically, as far as I'm aware, I think he's still the heavyweight champion. I don't know. Yeah, I mean he's he's definitely the champion in his personal life because he married Hayden Panettiere. But that blew my mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I am very jealous of him. Let's just put it that way. Oh, but, I don't think she's that good looking. I just think it's the size thing. Yeah. She's little. She is little. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's absolutely insane though. Like I would never have guessed that. And when somebody told me, I immediately said, Bullshit, that's not true. Yeah. And then I looked it up and I was like, Oh my god, it's true. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I don't know. I just remember um, I remember where I was with the Tyson Holyfield fight and the ear and the ear bite incident. Yeah. Which maybe that's might have been one of those incidents was a turning point where it kinda ruined because I don't know how many more big fights were after that that ear bite moment. Uh, I mean, there was still quite a few. I feel like that happened in what early to mid nineties, probably ninety four, ninety five. Yeah, there was, early there was 90s. still some 
There was still some big fights that happened. I mean, I'm pretty sure Lennox Lewis fought Evander Holyfield at some point. Yeah. That was a big fight. I There was a lot that happened. I, I don't know. I think it's just... I think it has a lot more to do with just the overall... I don't want to call it downfall, but just just decrease in popularity of <clears throat> of boxing. I mean, if you're a guy the size of Lennox Lewis, you're going to play football. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. boxing's just not nearly as lucrative for you as it would be to go play football. And it's also somehow safer to play football. So <laughs> Yeah, I don't... Okay. I mean, it's still somehow less blows to the head. So. Yeah. I, I don't know, and I, and I honestly, actually am, am biased when it comes to heavyweight boxing because I, I grew up in Easton, Pennsylvania, home of the Easton assassin Larry Holmes. Yeah, and uh, that was that was always such a cool experience, and and I, and I know I personally harp on this a lot already on the on the podcast, but if you haven't watched the Thirty for Thirty, uh, uh, Larry and uh, and uh, Muhammad, you gotta watch yeah. it. It's an incredible, incredible. Uh, uh, portrayal of it's, it's it's almost a double feature in itself. One is the portrayal of this kind of forgotten heavyweight champion. We talk about all the big names with right. Larry, and then it's also about Muhammad in his late years. Um, so it's and, and then how it just kind of all comes together. But it's incredible. I also love it because they drive around Easton with Larry, and I'm like, <laughs> and so I'm sitting here with Catherine. I'm a guy, and uh, I'm a guy who talks story movies. I'm like, remember that place? Remember seeing that? <laughs> I took you there. Like, like, look at it. it's on ESPN. I'm a big. Deal. I tell you, know it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't made the Food Network yet, but it's on yeah. ESPN. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and Larry, I, I got to meet him a couple times. I went to uh, high school with the, with his son, uh, Larry Holmes Jr. So nice, Larry. If you listen to the podcast, what's up? Hope you're doing well. Uh, and uh, he, he always a humble guy, and and just and he's done incredible things for for the little city of Easton. So and really put it on the map. But um, you know, kind of on the other side of uh, talking about humble and and you know a guy who was a heavyweight champ and made tons of money. Uh, we found an interesting article about another millionaire by the name of Arod, <laughs> and this some of, and some of his uh, activities exploits, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it came out today. I, I'm pretty sure that now he's got a year ban. Everybody's just coming out of the woodworks to just shit on A-Rod and tell all the ridiculous stories they have about him. So it came out today that he actually pays his barber to shave his legs for him. (laughs) I am just waiting for the next article to come out that just says, A-Rod sits when he pees. (laughs) I mean, like, it's just, it's unbelievable. I, I... Just when I thought I wouldn't hear a more ridiculous A-Rod story, then this comes out. I, I don't know. He's just, he's always been the king of doing stupid asshole things. And this is just top of the list. Well, it, it, here's my question. Okay. Yes, A-Rod has ridiculous stories. But if you're making that much money and you're and, as, as A-Rod, and then, you're, and then switch to you that, being that barber, think about the day A-Rod walks in. It's like, oh my God, like that's A-Rod. And he comes up to you. And he's like, cut my hair. And like, that's a very visible well, haircut. Now, yeah. hold on, let me finish my thought. Very visible haircut. And then <laughs> he makes this, gets this huge contract. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to give you an extra, like, I don't know, a thousand bucks to shave my legs. Would you do it? I mean, I guess if I was a barber, I'm not really, not ripping on the barber here. I'm yeah. more ripping on A-Rod for even asking the question. Like, that's, I'm going to start at the very beginning here. And not to mention the fact that, bro, you're not a cyclist. You don't need to shave your legs. Like, Michael Phelps shaves his legs, but he's a swimmer. Like, you're wearing baggy pants and socks. 
this is not helping your aerodynamics at all. <laughs> like what? That that's just bordering on weird at that point. Yeah. I don't know. It's just very strange to me. And then I also it made me think of a story that I heard a couple years ago where on the same night in two different cities, A Rod went out to a nice like five star restaurant in New York, sat down, had brought a cooler with his own food in it from home and ate the food at this nice restaurant. Assume, presumably just to be seen there. I don't know. But very odd. Very weird dick move. On the same night at a nice steakhouse in Miami, LeBron James asked the waiter to cut his steak up into little bite-sized pieces so that he wouldn't have to cut it up. I mean, that is just asinine. Yeah. Like, how do you, at what point do you just get so full of yourself that you're like, I'm going to tell this waiter to cut my steak up in little pieces like my mommy used to do when I was four? Yeah. Like, what what gets you to that point in your life? Uh, well, it's all the money that gets you to that point in your well, life. Well, yeah. I mean, you spend, just being spend a on something. <laughs> yeah. Money and being a dickhead are a really bad combination. <laughs> A-Rod proved it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it's funny. It's 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 weird. I, it's mostly so, weird it's you know what it is it's it's absurd it is absurd <laughs> at a major league level <laughs> it is a, i would actually call it major league absurdity possibly. yeah i would too i would as well i think that i'm in concurrence on that fact <laughs> somebody should do something with that <laughs> yeah, that term it seems like a good name <laughs> so uh you know whatever it's ridiculous uh just to switch gears you know we don't talk much much about hockey on this podcast and I honestly can't tell you one thing has been happening in the playoffs except for the fact that the Kings came back from three down yeah. to beat the San Jose Sharks. But by the time you guys listen to it, it's probably game two or game three already. Yeah. On and round two, and that was in round one. So uh, I mean that's incredible. You know, the Flyers did a couple of years back to the Bruins. Right. But uh, you know what? That's that's about all I can say. But um, on the on the kind of the homer front a little bit, but with an interesting topic mixed in. Talk about the Flyers. Uh, just promoted Ron Hextall to GM. Yeah. And I know Ron Hextall is, is one of those uh, hometown favorites. Uh, he was a goalie during uh, some of their uh, Stanley Cup runs. Um, and some of those good teams in the 90s with the Legion of Doom. Yeah. And uh, uh, kind of a face of the of the franchise. And, and, and uh, he's a guy you look up. He, he's kind of in the same vein as us talking to draft special about Herschel Walker. Look up the stats, and he's like, he didn't really play that many years in the NHL, and he didn't play that many years on the Flyers. Yeah, he but, just somehow became just kind of a legend for that team. Yeah, he he, he actually um, start he started and finished his career in, in, in Philadelphia, but he played for the Quebecs and um, somebody else, I think. Are you looking it up? Or, yeah. That's all right. Um, so he got promoted to GM, and I thought that was pretty cool. I think it's a, it's a, it's a fun name for, for, for guys in Philadelphia uh, or for fans of Philadelphia, the Flyers. But uh, another interesting thing about Ron Hextall and the history of, of hockey, he is a Conn Smythe uh, winner. I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing that right, or Conn Smythe, Conn Smythe. It's Conn Smythe. Uh, which is the, uh, the most valuable player in the Stanley Cup Finals. And he won it as a losing, on the losing side, but as a goalie. And uh, I just think that's so interesting and he's not the first guy to do it. Yeah, he, he, he's 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 one of uh, there's been five guys who've won the Conn Smythe in the Stanley Cup Finals who were on the losing side, and three of them were goalies. I don't understand how that works because yeah. you're the goalie, you're the guy literally stopping the shots yeah. from going like, into the net. That and, is what you're in charge of. <laughs> yeah, and it's I, 
I don't understand how you become the most valuable player for losing when you're in that position. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the only thing I can imagine is that he was just losing. This is another one that we we haven't had a chance to. We didn't have a chance to go back and look and see individual games from that Stanley Cup Finals. But yeah. I mean, I have to imagine that you're losing games one zero or something like that. So, but then why is the other goalie winning it if you're losing one zero? I don't know. Maybe your other maybe your team's not putting any shots on goal. I mean, if you're if you're facing forty shots a game, the other goalie's only facing ten. Then yeah. it's pretty impressive. You only gave up one yeah. <laughs> out of getting shot at forty yeah. times. So I, I mean, I would have to assume that that's what it is. I don't know. Um, we'll probably look it up after and be completely wrong. And <laughs> who knows? But yeah, I mean, it's still an impressive feat, nonetheless. And how? I mean, has that ever happened in another sport? This is the only time I've I've read about it. Has there ever been a Super Bowl MVP on the losing side, or? A, World Series MVP on the losing side? Not that I know of. I think most, at least with baseball and with football, I think they, I mean, you could have one guy that's lights out on the losing team and another guy that plays just okay but happens to make a decent play for the winning team, and that's the guy who's going to win the, yeah. the MVP. But they just, especially Super Bowl, Yeah, I feel like. You can't give it, well, yeah, you can't give it to a losing guy because they do the uh, Disney World yeah. <laughs> For commercial, I don't want some sad guy like, yeah. I'm going to Disney World. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go cry at Disney World. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, I, I always thought that was funny about Ron Hexel. I knew that I knew that stat for a long time, but then when I actually looked up the winners of the Con Smythe, I was really surprised to see that he wasn't the first, and I don't think the last. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, good. good. I, I also like the Flyers organization in this regard of keeping some of the the homeboys around, and a lot of them are, are former Broad Street bullies that stay in the organization. So it kind of <laughs> keeps that tough, you know, demeanor within within the, within the Phillies, kind of the, the street thug mentality of, of the Flyers alive. So it's kind of it's kind of cool. But yeah, if you guys have any any opinions on that, feel free to share with us on, on Twitter. Um, but I think we're coming up with kind of the last couple of topics. Justin's going to do a time check on us, but. Uh, just two quick ones we want to talk to were about were uh, the Marlins, and uh, <laughs> Justin looked this up, so I'll let you talk about yeah, it. Yeah, so I, I haven't I haven't updated it. I looked at this a couple of days ago. I haven't seen what the standings are right now, but I just happened to be looking at the major league standings and noticed that the Marlins have a ridiculously lopsided home and road record. I mean, it's just it's crazy, and especially considering that they're a team that doesn't exactly have a lot of fans at their home games per se <laughs> yeah. I found that to be strange um, and I like oh, I'm gonna try to get the exact numbers here but yeah so they're 17 and five at home three and ten on the road Wow which by the way they are now in first place in the NL East which is really ridiculous yeah. that should not be happening Philadelphia of course bringing up the rear um, but yeah I, I I mean, I just don't understand how it is that they're losing all these games on the road this early in the year, especially when their home field advantage is basically non-existent. Yeah. I, that just baffles me. Well, I have two theories on that. Theory one is, talking about the fans, they like playing in a quiet place. <laughs> and then when they actually go, when they actually go the, and have the deal... The noise upsets them. It <laughs> gets, gets in their head. <laughs> That's that's certainly possible. <laughs> that's theory one. Theory two. We talked about this. I think it has a little bit to do with weather, because right now in Miami, it's it's nice, it's it's sunny, it's you know it's it's good weather down there, 
And then when you go and you're in the NL East, you have to go play in Washington and Philadelphia early on. Yeah, that doesn't help your case very much. I think the Phillies swept them in, in Philly. They did. And yeah. looking at it, the Phillies swept them in Philly, and that was coming off of they had just come from D.C. and gotten swept here as well. Yeah. Then went to later after that, they went to Atlanta, lost two of three. Went to New York, lost two of three. And, yeah. So, yeah, that's, and there you go. That's, that's all your NL East yeah. there. Oh, and they, they actually picked up a road win last night in San Diego. So, they were 2-10 and ten before last night. So, <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> so, they did a significant number on their win total for the road game. So, it was actually worse when I looked at it the other day, which yeah. is incredible. But, yeah, I mean, A, they've just been a huge surprise, first of all. like The fact that they're 21-15 and 15 overall, that's crazy. No one would have guessed that. They keep that up. I'll be incredibly surprised. Yeah, they have decent pitching. I think that's the only thing that's kind of saving. Kind of keeping those games close. Yeah, maybe some timely hitting. Yeah, little Giancarlo Stanton occasionally <laughs> breaking the back wall by hitting it so far. G- Giancarlo Stanton practically hits doubles as not to set off the, uh... <laughs> the the absolutely awful dolphin display that goes off after a home run. That thing is so bad. That's a that's the literal reason they'll never have a home run derby there. <laughs> I said maybe they'll break it. Yeah, God, I hope so. That'd be amazing. Uh, last on the topic list, kind of a fun one. Uh, uh, Nike just released their. Um, their World Cup, our first World Cup commercial, our big World Cup commercial, and it's this awesome kind of like GoPro uh, vision of um, a guy going through his career. Yeah. And there's a short version that's on TV and a long version online, and the long version online is awesome. Even I think it's awesome. I don't even know who the <laughs> hell any of those guys are, but it's it's incredible. It's incredible. So the guy starts out, he's on the ground at like. I don't know, high school, maybe like okay, a, yeah. like a club team, and he and, it's, and he's kind of like blinking, so like it flashes like black, and then like it opens up on the field, flashes black, opens up on the field, and he gets help helped up, and he rips this free kick for a goal, and they celebrate, and then it kind of moves him through to like college, and uh, he's running around, and then and then into like the the minor leagues, and he gets signed by Arsenal or Man U. I don't remember. It's it's one of those teams, right? It's like a red. It's a red team. I don't know. <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. I think it's I think it's Arsenal, uh, and like you know, um, shows him going through like as a rookie. Um, he's like great. I guess it's so it's it's GoPro like 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 first person point of view. Yeah. So like he's like working out and they show him like throwing up. Yeah. And then he goes into a game. And he plays against uh, Ronaldo and some of those other big guys. <laughs> That I don't know. I'm, just but- I'm butchering this. I just realized I'm absolutely demolishing this explanation. Well, so what's funny is about this commercial. We so Craig and I talked about it a couple days ago, and I actually thought you were talking about another commercial. That's why I have not been much help here. Uh, I have not actually seen this Nike commercial that you're talking about. Oh, really? I was talking about the ESPN World Cup commercial where they follow along with the American Outlaws and show shots from various games, both in game, in the crowd. And they have, like, one of the big American Outlaw chants going in the background of it. And that one's awesome because they also – they have a shorter version of that that they show on TV. And then they have about a minute and a half version that they show online. Oh, okay. That's the one that I was thinking about. Oh, no. This so, this Nike one's awesome. It's definitely – I mean, maybe they'll show it on TV every now and then, but it's a long commercial. Yeah, we but, may have to 
We'll have to post both of them yeah. online after this. But it's really cool. If you guys haven't had a chance to check it out, you should. And it really gets you pumped up. Even me as a <laughs> fair weather American, you know, soccer fan, I'm like, yeah, this is. It's <laughs> I'm so, so ready. Cool. I'm so ready. It's so cool. I've been like, waiting I, four years for this. <laughs> and the thing about the way it's shot is, I want to know how they shot it because right. it's definitely a guy. It's definitely a guy playing who knows how to play. Right. And, and they have a GoPro on, but they do these also with the GoPro. They're doing these crazy camera angles and it's like real it's like a real game yeah i don't i don't know if they just if if they got all these guys in the same room into a studio and they and they these are like setup plays or if they like manipulated real game footage it's awesome so i highly recommend it and it ends up the guys like the guy that you're with and watching is dutch okay so it ends with them in the orange at the world cup playing yeah so it's really really neat and then and then it it ends like it begins he gets knocked down he blinks and then he stands up to rip a shot, but you don't see if he scores or not. Oh, and it's like World the Cup. suspense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's one thing. So on the topic of World Cup, hopefully within the next week or so, we'll actually be doing a World Cup special episode. Yeah. Um, which I'll just be doing comedy in that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's going to be great to listen to. Yeah. Craig will be doing comedy and stares. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh-huh. yeah. Um, no, so we'll be talking. What we're waiting for is on May twelfth, the U.S. will release their preliminary roster that it's a 30 man roster and then it gets paired down to 23 after a couple weeks of a training camp and uh so we're going to bring on my roommate ryan propis he's a big soccer fan like i am and so we'll be sitting down and talking trying to say you know determine who we think the 23 should be and then from there we're also going to talk about you know some potential matchups that could occur in later rounds in the world cup that we're looking forward to and just the basics of groups that we think are pretty interesting the u.s's group being sort of interesting in the fact and, and that that's awful, awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that, even i know that one yeah so yeah. we'll be talking about that for a while and uh also one thing i've already decided this is what i'm doing for the world cup as my part as an american fan and i encourage everyone else to do this as well during the world cup i will only be drinking yingling that is my unless i'm at a bar that doesn't have it then i then my hands are tied. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I decided that I needed to drink Yingling because that is the most American beer that we can get at this point. Yeah. I mean, oldest brewery in America, still American-owned. That's the way to go. So I encourage everyone else to do the same. Because also, Yingling's delicious. So I support that. Exactly. So that's that's our new project that we're going to be taking on is okay. Yingling World Cup. <laughs> Yingling, hashtag. Yeah, hashtag, hashtag Yingling World Yingling Cup. Yingling World Cup. So speaking of hashtags, remember guys, you can uh, tweet at us at MLAbsurdity. Uh, feel free to email us at um, MajorLeagueAbsurdity at gmail.com. Actually, I haven't checked it in a while. Maybe it'd be funny if people are actually emailing us yeah. and <laughs> with like great questions and we're, we just haven't and checked it. And we're just it. not looking. But, it doesn't um, look like it. It looks pretty empty. So. Yeah. So f- please, guys, please uh, tweet at us. Um, listen to our draft special. If you haven't listened to it yet, tweet at us your, your thoughts on the draft. We lo- we really would love to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we really want to hear your thoughts on it. And uh, we want to thank you guys for listening. Um, we haven't actually said that much yet. And, yeah. and uh, we understand that um, our, our our will to go forward it, you know, is on the backs of the people who listen to us. So absolutely. It's, it's great to hear your feedback. Um, but, yeah, I think that's it for this week. Justin, do you have any final thoughts? No, none whatsoever, actually. <laughs> All right, well, go get that Taco Bell breakfast.
Looks like she's getting cut off When you got that midnight swagger And I know you'd rather be somewhere with someone else Burning the bottle Cruising for throttle And now it's four in the morning When it can't find his keys Hope the hell he can find him with the lights off And she's pretending to sleep So he hops in his truck Another damn fine day 